gospel because love Jesus preached this gospel. Well, we need to know what gospel, and I can't beat this into us enough because there's such a misunderstanding and a mispreached gospel in this country and around the world over and over and over. So I need to know that you know what gospel we are to be preaching in the world as a witness uh, in this last hour. So we're going to be in Matthew 24. If you got your Bibles, be open in there and let's pray. Father, it's so good to be in your house today, God. And Lord, it's so good to just be uh, here dwelling together with brethren and sisters in unity. And Lord, uh, I know you're here. I feel your presence here. God, you've been with us, uh, God, before the service. Now you're here with us, dear. You'll be with us after. And Lord, I'm so grateful. You were with Diane. God, uh, you're omnipresent. You're everywhere, God. And we're grateful for that, God. We're, you're a good, good father. You're good. You're good, God. And Lord, I just pray that people will turn to you while there's still time, God. While there's still a moment, God, of grace that's still here, God, that they'll turn to you and that they'll uh, accept you as Lord and Savior, Messiah. Lord, that they'll get in the ark of, of safety while there's still time and before it's too late, God. Lord, we love you. We praise you, God. We pray, God, for France. We pray for the rioting that is going on there, God. We pray that it would come to a halt. We pray, God, for, uh, Lord, the 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 problems that are going on in Israel, God. Uh, Lord, we pray, Lord God, for uh, Lord Jesus, the problems going on in the Ukraine, Lord, in, Ru in Russia, Lord God, uh, the, in Syria, God, in Iran, in uh, Iraq, God, in Lebanon. I could go on and on and on, Lord, in our own country, all around the world, God. This world needs help. It needs hope. It needs, it needs you. And so, Lord, we just, uh, it needs your church, God. To, to, to wake up and to uh, be filled one more time with a, with, a, with, a, with a baptism of your Holy Spirit, God, to get the work done, Lord, in the earth, Lord. Uh, God, we pray your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Lord, God, in this last hour, and we just love you, we praise you, God, and we give you the glory in Jesus' name, and all God's people said amen. Hallelujah. We want to talk about the gospel, this gospel. This gospel. How many know this world is not our home? Amen? It's feeling that way every more and more and more. There was a, there was a young child that I, I can't imagine this, but uh, I was uh, kind of uh, the opposite of this. If my parents had done this, I'd have probably died of a heart attack right on the spot, and that would have been it because I was a pretty scared guy to go away from home too much. But there was a young boy who uh, was in boarding school. And he went there for three months, and then he came home one month. And he tells the story about how when he was seven years old, that as much fun as he had in boarding school and in school, he said it, it was not home. And he said he can always remember when the day that it was time to go home, how his heart would be filled with such anticipation, and how he would run to the corner where he knew he could see his father's car coming around the corner, and he would just fix his gaze and fix his eyes. He would sit on those steps and he would fix his gaze and fix his eyes on his dad coming around the corner to take him home. And church, I, I want to tell you something. We're kind of in a school right now. We're in, a, we're in this world and we're in this 
school. Uh, but I'm telling you, that there's some things that we do here that are enjoyable, and there's some things that are not so enjoyable. But the, here's the thing. This is not our home. And we need to fix our gaze upon Jesus because I'm telling you something. One day, the trumpet is going to sound. One day, he's going to, the Lord is going to descend with a, with a trumpet sound, and he's going to come, and he's going to bring us to the Father, and he's going to take us home. And I am longing for that day and that trumpet call. Amen? And there's some text that gives us in Matthew 24 that gives us an insight into when we want to go home. Would you all like to know when we're going to go home? Well, you got something to do in a minute that I need you to get busy about doing. All of us to get busy about doing because there's something in this text that's going to tell us the key to going home and hastening the day of the Lord. So if you got your Bibles, go with me to It talks about the return of the king being imminent and it gives us a clue in when we get to go home. And I hear a lot of people saying, oh, come now, let the rapture come. Well, I'm going to tell you how you can hasten that. But you might not like the, 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 the answer of what it's going to take you to get Jesus to come back here. So, so we, need to, we need to get, I hope you will be on board and ready. Listen to what the, God, the, the Word of God says in Matthew 24 and 1. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings on the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you not see these things? Assuredly, I just say unto you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what shall be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? When will you come to school to pick us up. When can I go get on the steps. And know that I've been here three months. And daddy's coming in the car. And I'm going to fix my gaze on him. And he's going to be coming around the corner. To take me as good as school is. He's going to come and take me back home. Where I belong. And that's what we want to find out here. And that's what the disciples are asking. When will you come? And, and Jesus gives the answer. In a series of things that have to happen. And I'm going to tell you something. I believe all of them have happened. Except one. Except one. Listen. Just look at it and see if you agree with me. First of all, verses five, 4 and 5, he says, Many will claim to be Messiah and deceive. We've seen that. Verse 6, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And hasn't that happened? Hasn't that happened? Man, you are asleep. Verse 6, Nation will rise against nation. Does that happen? Verse 7, uh, fourth sign he says, There will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. These are the beginning of sorrows. Verse 8, has that not happened? What about fifth, suffering, martyrdom, hated for Jesus' sake in verse 9. That is happening and has happened. What about many being offended, betrayed, and hating one another in verse 10. This has happened. What about six, false prophets and much deceit, verse 11. That has happened. Lawlessness and perversity abounding in verse 12. That has happened. And the, verse, and the seventh thing, endurance through all the above terrors in verse 13. This itself is a sign that we 
have seen happen and is happening. Finally, over all of these signs, we see the return of the king in verse 14. After all of those signs, the return of the king comes. And that's what is so amazing. And I want to look at verse 14 as our framework. Listen to what it says. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then, say and then, and then the end will come. Well, y'all don't look too happy. And then the end will come. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. This has yet to happen and must happen. So here's the framework in verse 14. This is the outline. Six points. Number one, this gospel. Number two, of the kingdom. Number three, will be preached. Number four, to the world or the nations. Number five, as a witness. And number six, and then the end will come. Praise God. Now Paul summarizes in gospel, the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15.3. Look at what he says. It says, I moreover, brethren, declared to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also I received and in which you stand. And here's what he said it is. By which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And here it is. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So Paul summarizes the Gospel in 1 Corinthians 15.3, and he talked about the Gospel decades after Jesus did. Now, now Mark 1 tells us, that, uh, that Jesus appeared and the first time he appears it says now after John was put into prison Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom it tells us in Galatians 3, the gospel was preached to Abraham. And the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel. It's in the Old Testament. Preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, In you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And the prophets in the Old Testament preached it. Look at the word of God, what it says here in the next scripture. Romans 1, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel, look what he goes on to say, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scripture. So Jesus is preaching the gospel and comes preaching the gospel. Paul, years later, is preaching the same gospel. The gospel is preached to Abraham years and years ago, and the gospel is preached and promised through the prophets years and years ago. So I want to ask you the question, how would you present the gospel if you could not use any churchy words? Like cross or blood. Or resurrection. What, what was the gospel that Jesus said would be preached in all the world? If you, if you had to take a scripture from the Old Testament, I think a great one would be Psalms 103. And it simply says this. It says, the Lord is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy and love. That would be a great gospel message out of the Old Testament. 
The Lord, the Lord, He is gracious. He is merciful. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in mercy and love. So, so the Bible says that God is slow to anger, which infers that God gets angry. Amen? That's the bad news that we must tell the world. God gets angry. But the gospel is good news. So there's good news coming, but the bad news must come first. We always, I like to hear the bad news before I get the good news. Because then at least I hear the bad news get that over with, and then the good news makes me feel better. So the bad news of the gospel is simply this. We are disgusting on the inside. And some of you have a hard time, like Fonzie, admitting that he's... I'm sorry. Some of you have a hard time admitting, I am disgusting. We're disgusting. We are filthy. We are sick. We're sick inside. Without God and away from God and apart from God and apart from regeneration, we are dogs. We're sick. We're sin sick. We love it. We crave it like a dog going back to its vomit. We crave it. We crave self. We crave selfishness. We crave loving ourselves. We crave heaping things on ourselves. We crave us, us, us. Do for us. Care about us. It's all about me. And we're under the wrath of God because of that. That's the bad news. The bad news is mankind is disgusting. The bad news is this has brought them under the wrath and anger of God. That's the bad news of the gospel that we simply don't preach anymore. And you want to know why people don't come to God? Because if you don't think you need God and you're not that bad of a person, then why do you need a Savior today? Why do you need a vaccine? Why do you need a remedy? Why do you need help? But when you know you're totally depraved and the wrath of God is coming down on you, no matter what, you will be glad if somebody comes with an answer that tells you there is good news to this story. There is better news coming. And the new good news is simply this, and I mentioned it last week. God comes to save us from God. No, I need this to sit good with you. Because this is not preached in churches anymore. God comes to save us. God saves us from God for God. The old hymn said it like this. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and then grace my fear relieved." Another one said like this, Be of sin the double cure, saved from wrath, and make me pure. Or the new hymn that we shouldn't bash, the new stuff of today always. Till on the cross that Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Listen to what Romans 5.8 was written. But God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. 
The love of God saves us from the wrath of God for the joys of God. The love of God saves us from the wrath of God for the joys of God. Let me make a case for it in the Old Testament for anybody doubting my theology. Exodus 11, God said, I will bring one more plague from Pharaoh onto Egypt. All of the firstborn of the land in chapter 12 shall die. I will strike the firstborn. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. I will execute it. I will do this. And I am the Lord. However, the blood shall be a sign unto you. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And then the plague will not be able to strike you. When I strike the land with judgment of Egypt. God saves you from God. The Bible is clear that they are not saved from Pharaoh. They are not saved from Pharaoh's soldiers or even their sin. They are saved from God and the avenging angel that God is sending. And that is the heart of the gospel message. And I don't care what kind of pamby-mamby, stinking junk is being preached out there. That is the heart of the gospel. If you read this Bible from Genesis to Revelation. When Jesus died on the cross, He did not primarily save us from the devil, just like the Passover lamb and the blood did not save them from Pharaoh. Jesus did not even primarily save them or us from our sin, but the effects of sin, because it is not your sin that slays you, but it is the wage of your sin. For the wages of your sin is... Not even your sin. It's the wage, the payment. What I'm going to pay you because of sin, I'm going to judge that sin, and I'm going to bring death on the human race. This is the gospel, my friend. This is the bad news of the gospel. But there is great news of the gospel. But you cannot leave out the bad news before you present the good news. Amen? God's judgment on your sin is death, the wages of sin. If you were out last night drinking and sleeping around, why are you still alive today, here and now? It's not your sin. It's because the judgment of God has not yet fallen on your sin. And you have sinned, and that has not killed you yet. You have sinned, you got drunk, you slept around, but that did not kill you. But one day, that sin will be judged, and you will stand before an almighty God. And if you are not under the blood, I'm here to tell you there is nothing that can save you from the wrath of God. And that needs to be told to the people outside of these walls. Repent or perish. You need to be saved from the wrath of God. You untoward generation. Who can save you, Peter said, from the wrath of God that is coming on you? What must we do to be saved, Peter? 
Repent and believe the gospel. The good news that God has come. God has paid the price. God Himself has taken the punishment. And God will save you from God. If you're not under the blood, it's the blood, folks. If you're not under the blood... Oh, the blood. Why do you think Satan wants to take the blood? Why do you want he thinks he wants to cut that out of the songs? Cut that out of the hymn. Quit talking about a bloody Jesus, a bloody religion. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes whiter than snow. There is healing in the blood. There's salvation in the blood. There's deliverance in the blood. It's the blood, the blood, the blood. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Amen. Nothing but the blood. I can tell you, so it's the love of God that saves us from the wrath of God for the joys of God. Hallelujah. Let me, let me, let me make it for a story for you. This is not my story. I heard a, heard a great preacher telling this story, man. And let me tell you the same truth through his story. Jesus used stories often to preach and teach with. And I'm going to share, share the same story that I just told you, but we're going to bring the good news of the gospel around where you could see it clearly. There was an African king, and he had a problem in his kingdom. He had a chicken thief. And so the African king was upset because of the chicken thief, and he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to catch that thief, and I want you to give him a hundred lashes. And so they said, or, or I'm sorry, I want you to catch that thief and I want you to give him 10 blows. So they came and looked for the thief, but they couldn't find him. But the bad part is the chicken thief stole more chickens. And so the king was even more upset and he said, I'll tell you what, when you find him, I want you to catch him. But now when we catch him, I'm going to give him 50 blows. And the king Sends them out and the problem is they come back and the chicken thief is still ch stealing chickens. And the king is so full of angry, anger and so full of wrath because somebody is disobeying him, causing him disorder and dishonor in his kingdom. He said, find this chicken thief and when you find this chicken thief, I want you to beat that chicken thief with a hundred blows which is enough to probably kill them. So what they did was then they found and caught the chicken thief but the problem and to the surprise of the whole country and to the king it was his mother and so now what does the king do because he has a big dilemma if he forgives it because it's her mom then he's an unjust king but if he kills his own mom he's not merciful either he has a great dilemma on his hands, which is the same dilemma that God has on his hands. So here's what began to happen. The day of judgment came. And the king has his robe and is on his throne and in the judgment hall in the judgment seat. And there he says, and they bring the mother, the chicken thief, in before in front of the man. And here's what the, everybody, all eyes are fixed upon the king, wondering what in the world is the, is the king going to do? And so what does he does? He glares down at her and he says, I command that the chicken thief be lashed with a hundred lashes and withhold nothing from her. <gasps> There's a gasp in the hall. And all of a sudden, the guys are about to, they've tied her to the whipping post. They're about to administer the blows. And all of a sudden, the king says, hold on, wait. Takes his robe off. Marcy, stand right there. 
She's up here before the judge's bench. Takes his robe off. They're about to beat her with a hundred lashes that's going to kill her. King steps down. Says, hold on. Now beat the thief. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for you and for me. That's exactly the gospel of Jesus Christ, Gabe. Now beat the thief. And he took the punishment for us. And that is the good news of the gospel, folks. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. God saves us from God. He stepped off the heavenly throne. He came to earth. He died on the cross. And in that act, he extended his arms. And he said, Father, now beat the thief. The love of God saves us from the wrath of God for the glory of God. And that's why he says, this gospel... Number two, of the kingdom. That's the gospel that must go into the world and be preached. Of the kingdom, number two. And as soon as we do this, he's coming, the Bible says. In the time of Jesus, it is called the second temple period. And here's uh, the Israelite Jews have been into exile. They've come out. Now there's been 400 years of silence. They have been betrayed by every earthly ruler. I mean, whenever uh, something was set up for governors, it didn't work. Even David, as wonderful as David is, like I said last week, he was a murderer. He was an adulterer. Solomon, as wise as he was and as good as he was, he let him down. He ends up with concubines and so far away from the presence of God. Everyone that had ever been set up in place throughout the centuries have betrayed the Jews and they understood that whenever men rule in the kingdom of men, it always goes south. Just like our country. Oh, if we could have the Democrats. Oh, if we could have the Republicans. Hogwash. And they came to a point, just like we're coming to a point, that you cannot put your faith and trust. Whenever man rules in the, in the affairs of men, it always goes south. And you're not going to get any deliverance from the Democrats or the Republicans. Our country will still be in trouble. And there's not any solution from this or that person. There is not a solution from education. There's not a solution from medical stuff. Even if you're healed in this life, we all end up dying. And there's not a long-term solution for anything here on planet earth and that's where these people got to fool us once shame on us fool us again no way and never again are we going to put our hopes in the kingdom of men the only kingdom we have is when the king comes back that's it when the king comes that's who we're putting our faith in that's who we're putting our trust in so when this gospel of the kingdom is preached In other words, we're not going to trust in an institution. We're not going to trust in, 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 in programs. We're, the, the hope of the Jewish people was Messiah. When Messiah comes, He will rule forever. When Messiah comes, He will forgive us. When Messiah comes, He will take care of oppression and rule. And He'll rule right. He'll rule correctly. And when Messiah comes. So the term, the kingdom of God, is nowhere to be found in the Old Testament. And when it shows up into the New Testament... They don't even explain what it is because they already assume everybody knows that the kingdom of God is when the king comes back. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. So, 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 so the, 
king will come back to the earth and make everything right. And the gospel of the king is referring to the return of Jesus. I'm going to say that again. The gospel, the gospel of the kingdom is referring to the return of Jesus. Because we've got false, pre- false preachers and false things out there today. We are confused in this day with something called realized eschatology. Realized eschatology. That's a fancy term for saying the kingdom is now and we can experience all the fullness of the kingdom now. The new New Testament Jews did not believe this. They knew it was coming. And when the king comes, it will finally be in its full. Amen? And that's where their hope was. One day the king's going to come back. And it's not so much about now. Yes, God does things now, but it's, we're looking for a day. We're looking for a day when the king is going to appear and he's going to come and we're going into a millennial reign and everything's going to be like it ought to be. It's going to be fabulous, but we are not there yet. So when we understand that and when we hear verses like, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. They're saying, Seek the day when the king comes. And all these things will be added unto you. When, when, when there's an eternal king that you seek, there is a king coming. There, there's an eternal king. When we pray, our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. They're praying, actually, the return of the king. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. The earth is actually the one place, hear me well, in the cosmic universe where the will of God is not done. Right? It's not being done. And listen, it's not being done in you and me either. Anybody here want to say the will of God is completely done in you? When will the will of God be completely done in you? When the king descends from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise, and those which of us who are alive and remain shall be caught up in the air to be with the Lord in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. As lightning flashes from east to west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. I mean, two will be in a field, one will be grinded, and the other left, two will be at a meal working, one will be done, the other left, two will be in a bed one will be taken the other left folks in the moment in the twinkling of an eye we shall all be changed we shall see him and we shall be like him oh one day finally finally Brad Lindsay oh thank you Jesus I'm going to be changed and finally completely in the will of God blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God wins the fulfillment of that the meek will in Inherit the earth when the king comes, when the Lord descends. That's when this is all going to meet its final fulfillment. Thy kingdom come, Lord. That's why we pray that. That's why we pray that. Please be careful what you're listening to and the theologies that you're believing today that are so man-centered. So covetousness, so glorifying a man like man's going to do all this. Man's going to do it. We're going to do it. Why do we need to do it? Jesus did it all. Right? 
Is that disappointing to you? Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Not praise the preachers, not praise the Christians. Oh, praise His name forevermore. Amen. Praise Him. He's the healer. He's the deliverer. He's the conqueror. He's the victor. He's the governor. He's the captain of our salvation. He's the I am the I am. He is the one that I ride behind and could just do this because there's a sword coming out of His mouth that smites all the nations of the world with just a word out of His mouth. Amen. Hallelujah. So this gospel of the kingdom, that's the kingdom we preach. The king is coming. And when the king comes, the fullness of his kingdom will be here. And it's awesome. Yes, he started saying, now that I'm here, the kingdom is at hand. Sure. But it's coming in its fullness and it's entire to the restoration of all things, Daniel. It's coming. He's going he's to reconcile everything into himself in Christ. The king is coming and they knew it wasn't perfect yet. And they knew no man or institution was going to get it that way. It's only going to be when the king comes. So this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached. That's not a popular verb anymore. It opens up charges of hypocrisy. And yet the Bible tells us in Corinthians that it pleased God through the foolishness of this message preached to save those who believe. Preaching fixes the efficacy solely on what God has done. It removes any doubt that the solution is man, money, programs, projects. It's not in you, but it's in me, God is saying. God through Christ is the power of the gospel. And faith still comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The gospel of the kingdom goes forth by preaching. And to be clear, it is not restrained to what I'm doing right now in the pulpit. And with a whole bunch of Christians, it is you opening your mouth in the marketplace in the campuses, in the neighborhoods, lifting up the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and warning everyone that the King is coming so you had better be ready. The gospel of the kingdom goes forth through preaching. Your preaching. Your preaching. My preaching. We are the messengers. We are the town criers. We are the voices of the ones crying in the wilderness. We are not the king. We are not the solution. We are not the answer. But the answer and the solution is coming. So let us get ready and welcome the king. The king is coming. We are the town criers to say he is coming. Get ready. And this is why the spirit filling in the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, always affected the mouth. It always affected the tongue. They always could hear people speaking in their own languages because when you get filled with the Spirit, it comes so that you can proclaim the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ. If you're born again, there ought to be something that fills your spirit and there ought to be this that comes out of your mouth. Open your mouth and I'll fill it with my word. Amen. Hallelujah. The gospel of the kingdom goes forth by preaching. We are the messengers. We are the town crier. We have the answers and the solution. Here is Jesus. Here is what I've noticed about what's going on today in the world and especially in churches around America. But even I heard missionaries said it. He said, when I, when I dig wells, when I build schools, when I teach English, when I provide gyms, when I provide coffee houses or helps to those who are poor, they love me. 
He said, but when I open my mouth and say the king is coming and he's the only hope for the world, I'm not so popular anymore. And that's what we've done in American churches with our evangelism. Let's go out and give them cotton candy. Let's give them everything we can do. Let's make them happy. Let's make them fun. But don't offend them with the king is coming. Let's skip out the gospel. Let's just be nice to them and love them. Let's dig wells. Let's do all of these things. They'll love us. They'll want to come to our God. No, you do that. Yes, we take care of the poor. The scripture tells us to dig wells. It tells us to feed the poor. It tells us to go to them and do these things. But never, never, never without preaching the gospel of this kingdom to them. That ought to be the first thing and the most important thing. Those others, like my friend Victor says, are just fish bait. That's just fish bait so that I can preach the gospel. A bag of flour or something to the mothers on Mother Day, that's fish bait so that we can get people in here and then we're going to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to tell them the King is coming and that they need to be ready to meet the King. Amen? Hallelujah. See, see, it's popular to meet physical needs, but not to challenge them with the gospel. We must challenge people with the gospel because that, that becomes not so cool. The whole world is saying, just shut up about this. Shut up about this. That's why every, that's why every fast food now says, you want to round your change up to give to the whales here and this, that, and this need? Because what they're saying is we'll give to all that stuff and we'll feed and we'll clothe them. We'll be like the church there. But just don't shut up about that gospel. We'll send our money. We'll send all that stuff. But don't you dare give them this. And our churches have said, okay, we'll turn into that too. When we're the only ones with the hope of the world and the answer for the world. We have the gospel. We, Jesus told us to preach the gospel. It's the very thing he came and the first thing he did was preach this gospel. Coming to preach the gospel. Paul preached the gospel. John preached the gospel. James preached the gospel. They all preached the gospel. And the whole world is saying, shut up about that. And the devil wants us to be silent. But God commanded us right here and in many places to preach the gospel of the good news. So when you wake up tomorrow, the question is, who will you bow to? The world or God? Will we preach this or will we bow our knee to the devil? The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached, number four, in all the world to all nations. The global population right now is past 8 billion people. 42% of 8 billion are gathered in 7,000 unreached people groups. That's 3.15 billion people on planet earth that are yet to be reached for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word for peoples is ethne. It's where we get our understanding of ethnic. Over 40% of people are unreached. Have no gospel. Have not received the This gospel must be preached everywhere. This gospel must be preached everywhere. 
Are they lost in Alabama? Absolutely, yes. Are they lost in the corporate world? Yes. Are they lost in the suburbs? Yes. Are they lost in the inner cities? Yes. Are they lost on our campuses? Yes. But the exertion of this text is not those nearby that are being the most neglected. The assertion of this text is the ones farthest away are the ones that are being most neglected right now. And we're misinterpreting the Scriptures. Look at Acts 1.8. Have you ever heard this? And I've been guilty of saying this about Acts 1.8. When Jesus commissioned His disciples, He said this, You will witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And how many have heard the people next, probably me, say, That means you are to start at home where you are at. Do you know where they were at? Do you remember where they are? They are standing on a mountain in Galilee. And they are there and Jesus ascends off of that mountain and gives them this charge. And then the angel appears and says, You men of Galilee, why stand you here gazing, looking up into the heaven? This same Jesus who you've seen go away will come again in like manner. But then they go off with this charge that you've got to go to Jerusalem. They're not even in there. They're not from Jerusalem. That's not their hometown. In fact, that's an insane place to go because that's where they grabbed Jesus, took Him outside of the gate and crucified Him. That's where they're going to hate the Christians. That's where they're going to take them and tear them up, put them into jail, and do horrible things to them. And Jesus is not saying stay right there where you are and preach the gospel here. He's telling the Galileans, get up from there, go to Jerusalem, and start there, and then go into all the world with this gospel message. And it's going to get more dangerous and more dangerous as you go. So the implication is, is to it's to spread out. And it's a flaw that verse 11, uh, in verse 11 that we say that, 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 that uh, none of them was from Jerusalem. It's away from their home. It's a dangerous place. He said, start there in a not so safe place away from home, and then keep going. He, say, he doesn't say, put all of your energy at home, and then whatever is left over, give to the nations. He says, if we start with sending our best to the most difficult and the most dangerous places on earth, that's what he's saying. And that's why they say, sent Paul and Barnabas to Antioch. They sent their best. They didn't leave them back in the church. They sent their best out into the world and into the mission field with this commission and with this call to take the gospel to the nations Go all into the world and preach this glorious gospel to this 42% of people who have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ because we got too much time in America and too much money watching Netflix and unconcerned about the world dying and going to hell. Me included. I'm not fussing at you. But he sent the best. And when it comes to the allotment of resources, sadly, it always is that the far suffers the most. We give our leftovers to them, and we use most of the resources right here at home, rather than sending it to the places. Do you know that Americans spent more on dog food and bubble gum than the cause of global missions last year? Do you know that at Halloween we spent more money on costumes for our pets than all the money that was given to global missions? I'm not asking us to neglect the near, but if 3.5 billion are unreached and don't have access to the gospel, 
we must send our best and fulfill this gospel being preached in all the world. He's wanting us to take it to the farthest places on the face of the earth. That's why we have missionaries, and I don't know if that makes you happy or upsets you, but we're going to keep doing that, and we're going to try to be linked to more and more and more so that we can carry the gospel to the furthest reaches of the earth. Amen? Hallelujah. And then it will be done, number five, as a witness. Witness is from the Greek word martis, and it means martyr. And what it means is missionaries or disciples or disciple people, they have to leave their home. They have to leave their family. They have to do difficult things like learn new languages. They have to learn new cultures. They have to, those that don't go, that stay here, have to give as well. They have to sacrificially give. They have to sacrificially pray. It's going to cost you something to be a discipler, to be a missionary, to be a sent one. It's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us time. It's going to cost us money. It's going to cost us resources to do this kind of thing. And he's saying, you are my witnesses. You're to be a martyr. You're to be a martyr for, for me. You're to, you're, to do, you're to do this and advance the gospel. The gospel always advances in the greatest duress. Listen to this story. August 10th, 258 A.D. Emperor Valerian had issued an edict that all Christian leaders be put to death and their property con con uh, confiscated. And listen, Sixtus II, he was the bishop of Rome, and he was also arrested and was being led to the execution. And he had a young assistant named Lawrence, and Lawrence called out to the bishop and said, Are you going to leave us so soon and go to heaven? And guess what he answered back? You're going to follow me, Raymond, in three days. And guess what? Lawrence did follow him in three days. Because they came looking for him because they thought... That Christians had money. And so they came and arrested Lawrence and said, give us the money. Give us the possessions. Give us the prized possessions. So you know what Lawrence did? Lawrence went back and prayed and he went. And it had been like him getting, it'd be, he got the widows and he got the orphans. And he got the aged and he got the infirm. And he brought all the people in the church like that. And he brought them before the emperor and said, here are our prized possessions. And the emperor was furious. And he commanded that he be placed on a rack uh, and, be, and, and, be, and be roasted. And so, so he's there. He's, he's now being put together. He, he, he said, uh, put him on a gridiron and roast him over the fire. And as he had been burning for a while, here's what he said. He turned over to his persecutors. And here's what he said with a smile. You can turn me over now because I'm done on this side. No, that's good stuff. You ought to smile. You can turn me over now because I'm done on this side. Do you want to know what, what, what are guys like Lawrence? How can you tell a joke in that kind of facing that 
kind of martyrdom and death. How can you tell a joke? How can you have a smile on your face and say something like that? The only way that you can do that under distress is that it is not the day that you die. You've already been dying daily. You have, that, that, that Every day you've died. Every day you've died more and more and more. And now when you're laying on the roasting iron, that's not really your day of death, Tom. You are laying there and you're already, you're already dead. It's just the final deposit and the last of a thousand little surrenders that have been made that have brought you to this point that you're there and it's the realization that I'm finally done dying and my living is about to begin and that's how that guy can look over and say I'm done on this side and guess what when you cook me on the other side I'm done dying now forever and I'm going to be with the Lord and really start living now Woo! glory to God Ah, oh, some of you are so scared of stuff like that. But if you could ever get it in your spirit, you're going to die here. I got news for you. Go ahead and face the fact if the rapture doesn't come, you're going to go six feet under. So you might as well face it now and let death lose its sting and then die a thousand deaths every day so that when you get to that point, you can say, death, where is your sting? It's over with. You can't kill me. I'm already dead. And now this is the final nail in the coffin and I'm about to really start living hallelujah hallelujah that's why Paul could say oh to live is Christ but to die is gain hallelujah those aren't just words on a page that's real that's real stuff, folks. And if the gospel goes to the ends of the earth, it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us more giving. It's going to cost us praying longer. For, for, it's going to cost sending your sons and your daughters. No, we're so selfish. Sending your sons and your daughters, kissing them and letting them go to the mission field. It may be you. It may be somebody else. But, but it's time, folks, to get out of self. It's time to take the command and the commission from Jesus Christ and take this gospel and preach it at the four corners of the earth. It will cost us. But if we'll do it, then this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness to the nations. And then, ta, 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 the end shall Come. Yeah. Hallelujah. We are disciples. And the reason we do it, the reason I come up in this pulpit every Sunday is because I want to go home. I want to go home. The reason I go to Moldova and spend my vacation time is because I want to go home. The reason we give to Victor and Sasha and other places in the world, in Israel and other places, is because I want to go home. And I think you want to go home. Amen? The reason we want to have a coffee shop and, and, and pop it up every now and then and try to get somebody with some fish bait to come in here and sit if they won't come in here on Sunday. Maybe they'll sit and have a cup of coffee with me and I can explain the gospel of Jesus Christ or I can listen to them and they can cry with me or I can disciple somebody and tell them more about the ways of Jesus or maybe God will call one of them to go to the uttermost parts of the earth with this gospel. So we, 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 there's plenty 
plenty to do. Get on board and get busy about the Father's business. We are disciples and we want to go home. That's why we do it. We are under the, the wrath of God and I include myself in that. And I'm so tired of this world. Uh, I'm not pointing fingers at, at, at all the wickedness out there because I'm tired of what's going on in here. And I'm tired of what's going on in here in my own heart. I'm tired of this world. I'm tired of it having an effect on me. I want I want it to I want Brad Lindsay to ultimately finally be liberated once and for all. I want to finally be changed with the trumpet sound of God. I want the sky to recede. I want the Lord to descend and I want to be forever changed. I want to that's why when I sing songs like these when we're talking about the Lord coming, that's why it gets me so excited because finally liberation, finally we're not wrestling anymore. Finally we're not fighting anymore. Finally, there's no more tears. There's no more suffering. There's no more pain. Finally, we're all forever changed and with the Lord forever. And I long for that day. And the way is through the nations. Christmas tradition in closing. I don't know if you're going to play a song or come sing. We, we, we like... In my home, when I was growing up, we were weird kids. We liked to get up way early, right? No, we weren't weird. Everybody does that. Tradition was Kelly and I. We couldn't stand it. Uh, I probably slept in her room that night and no sleeping going on when we were real little. Mom and dad are in there snoring. And all of a sudden, we're anticipating, and it's usually wake up about three. You think we can go now? Think we can do this? Think we can do that? Same in tradition in my home. So they laid mine out. We wrapped theirs, so they probably were in their day shaking it, trying to anticipate, see what it was, waiting. And they were the same way, sleeping in the same room, trying to get up. Caleb was usually, I think, a little bit more anxious probably than Cole, and and uh, and saying, "We got to get up. Time. You think we can go?" Waiting on mom and dad to get up. And finally, what about the anticipation of going in there and opening those gifts? But what if I said? You can open the gifts as soon as you clean the dishes from last night from the Christmas party. Do you know what they would do? Because this is what I would have done. I would have drugged Kelly in there as fast as I could go. And we would have cleaned the dishes. Because I would have drugged her kicking and screaming. Because I want to open the gifts that I've been waiting for. And that anticipation and the excitement that is building there. And folks, I'm telling you, that is the same thing that is absolutely being done here. Is the great gift of God is eternal life. And, and it's waiting there for us. Eternity. With no more pain. No more suffering. All, all of this is going on. And all. All we have to do is do the Father's dishes before we can go home and open the gift forever. That's all we have to do. So why not? Let's go and let's go open. The, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And let's clean the dishes as so the Father can come. All we have to do is preach. All we have to do is preach. Preach the gospel. Of this kingdom in all the world as a witness. And then the end shall come. Do the dishes. And then open the gifts. We're going home. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So the question. 
Preach the gospel of the kingdom in all the world and amongst every people as a witness. Then the end will come. That's why we give and that's why we go. That's why we support missions. And the question for you today is how bad do you want to go home? Do you want to taste in the return of the king? Do you want to be done with sickness, the filth? And my last plea is let's go home. Let's go home, Brookside. Let, 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 how? How? You say, then how? Okay, here's how. Participate. We all, not just this guy, not just a few, we all, we all participate in the gospel of the kingdom being preached in all the world as a witness to every people, and then the end comes. Let's get busy. Let's get busy. Let's get busy. And I know a lot of you are already busy, but let's stay busy, and let's get busy, and let's start giving our best to the furthest parts of the world, and let's get this thing done. Let's do it locally, but especially globally. Let's keep giving. Let's keep going. Let's get, keep sending. And I believe there might be some God is calling calling you today as I've been preaching this message, calling you, calling you. I don't know what to or where, but calling you. And I believe that's what he's doing. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for the word of God. Lord, the word of God in, in, in this passage of scripture, Lord, it just, it just seems clear to me that God, I know the progression of birth pains is going to get worse and the signs of all these things, but we, we've seen all of those signs, it appears. We've seen many of these signs, but the one that still seems to be unfulfilled and not completed is this last one here, God. And this is the responsibility of all of us in the church, God. It's to take this glorious gospel, Lord, to the uttermost parts of the world, God. It's to take, yeah, do we start where we are? Yeah, for some of us that is. Yes, yeah, some it's our neighbors. Some it's here, it's there, God. It's some it's in this church training and discipling and equipping and all of that, Lord. It's for some it's in the workplace and it's, it's everywhere else. But, but God, it's also globally. It's also not giving our worst uh, to, the, to the furthest places of the earth, God. We spend a lot even of our mission money already in places that have already been reached, God. It's the unreached that we need to reach now with the gospel of the, of the good news. God. Lord, train up people that can learn the languages. Train up people that can write Bibles, God. Send people like us that can finance these projects and that can get them done in the furthest parts of the world, God. Lord, we have, we, we have ways now that like we've never had with internet, God, and with technology, and God, use that to take the, the gospel to the, to the four corners of the earth, God. I believe part of the wars and, and, and other things are, are the, the pestilences is causing people to be able to give and get into places where we've never been able to get into, God. People allow certain things when they're desperate. And God, it seems like now is an hour, God, when, when a lot of things are changing, God. And when, when, when uh, God, maybe your spirit is being poured out all over the earth, God. And, 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 and at a time when hopefully whoever calls on the name of the Lord can be saved, God. So stir hearts all over the world and stir our hearts, God, to not grow weary and well-doing. We will reap a harvest if we faint not, God. Lord, 
Help us not to grow weary in the work of the Lord. Help us not to grow weary in America because we're not seeing the results that we want to see, God. Help us to help us to continue to give. Help us to continue to go. Help us to continue to serve. Help us to continue to disciple, Lord. Help us to continue to lead, God, and re- revive the church in this nation, God. And help us, God, to do your work throughout the earth, Lord, in this last hour, Father. And we'll be careful to give you the praise, God. Let your will be done now on earth as it is in heaven, God. And we give you the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.